Alright gang, welcome back to another episode of Celluloid Jelly, a podcast featuring a couple of ex-video store guys who just love talking about movies. I am CJ Talbot, and joining me as always is my co-host... That's, <laughs> that, introduce me? Am I that's just your key. <laughs> <laughs> that's your cue right there, buddy. Hey everyone, it's Cesar. <laughs> yes. From? Dude, what's your name? Where are you from? I'm from Baltimore, guys. What's up? <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from America. You are American. <laughs> through and through. Um, and, and hey, we're going to talk a lot about America during this episode, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, America, uh, other countries. So we're going to talk about uh, Predator uh, today from 1987, uh, but first, as is customary, we're going to both, uh, you know, kind of recommend uh, or at least talk about another movie that we watched over the past week or so. Um, so Cesar, um, you know, what do you, what do you have for the kids at home? Well, to be fully honest, it's been a bit of a down week for me in terms of movie watching, um, probably since our last episode recording, which uh, was The Burbs. I've only watched one other movies since then so that's um that's noticeably different from how i usually conduct my movie watching but uh yesterday i had the unfortunate choice to watch hardcore henry um which is a 2015 film 2015 i guess it doesn't matter is it that recent god it seems so long ago (laughs) um but you know that's a movie that uh is uh, I guess it was t- touted as kind of like a, a video game experience. Uh, it's done in first person. It features Charlotte Copley. Um, and I guess the plot roughly is about uh, a guy who's like a cyborg who is trying to rescue his girlfriend from some supervillain with psychic powers um, who wants to build an army of soldiers just like him. Sounds awesome. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, the movie is very, um, I guess, like, Charlotte Copley, he, he shows up uh, in a variety of roles. He's the only, probably the only actor that most people would know off the bat. It also features Haley Bennett, um, who is in um, Magnificent Seven and a handful of other films. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever. <laughs> She's cute, whatever. Uh, the movie itself has some, I guess, like, it's got some interesting action scenes in it. Um, and one of the main criticisms that a lot of people get about first per, uh, movie shot via perspective or like, like found footage or shaky cam is that it will make them nauseous. I, I tend not to get that from movies. Um, what the movie did deliver for me though, is like a lot of boredom. <laughs> <laughs> so like there's so much going on, but like it doesn't mean anything to me. Um, yeah. Like a video game. Yeah, it's, I mean, like, when you're playing a video game, you're, you know, the main benefit of a video game is interactivity. So, I think there's something to be said about being able to follow a story, or, like, if you watch someone else play a video game, you know, you might get some enjoyment out of that, but when you're, like, totally aside from uh, outside of that realm, like, the interactivity's gone, you don't have, like, you don't have any investment in it. I mean, I think I think there's definitely people I know who are fans of this film. I don't know anyone who loves the movie, um, but like I, I know the movie's missing a plot, decent <laughs> acting, <laughs> the 
those body effects. Um, now, I, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't some interesting moments. Um, Charlo Copley, he kind of hands it up because he plays a variety of characters. I don't know if you've seen the film or not. I have not. Um, but man, the that was thankfully the movie's only thirty minutes, so I didn't have to waste too much time on it. But uh, I could have chose better. You mean an hour and thirty minutes? Yes. Okay. Because <laughs> you just said it's thirty minutes long. Oh, <laughs> ninety minutes. Ninety minutes. There you go. <laughs> well, I'm but, I'm uh, sorry that you did not enjoy it. That's horrible. Yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> you took one for the team there. Now I don't have to watch it. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. It's on Netflix now, though. So you know. Yeah, yeah. I need to watch all those Charlotte Copley films. Oh, I I watched one a couple of weeks ago, um, Gringo. I don't think we talked about it on the podcast. That's uh, David Oyelowo and... Uh, oh, that's the Amazon movie. Yeah, Charlize Theron and Joel Edgerton. It was directed by uh, his brother Nash Edgerton, I think. Uh, oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, Charlotte Copley plays, like... Um, arms dealer or something well it's i i mean this is not the movie i wanted to talk about but whatever (laughs) (laughs) so i mean the basic plot of the movie is that joel edgerton and Charlize theron are like the top two executives at a company that david oyelowo works for and uh it's a drug a pharmaceutical company and uh under the table, they've been selling these pharmaceutical-grade drugs to, like, uh, cartels in Mexico. And just to get, like, money until the drugs were, like, approved by the FDA. And so now that the drug's about to be approved by the FDA, they want to stop selling drugs to the cartel. David Oyelowo is, like, their, like, I guess he's, like, the vice president of sales or whatever. So he's in charge of actually doing it. But they went around his back and did it under the table, so he's unaware of it. So they take a trip to Mexico at the beginning of the film, and they they basically like, uh, you know, tell the guy to stop selling to the cartels. And you know, this Mexican guy who's the head of their plant is like, "You just can't stop selling to the cartels. It doesn't work like that." And they're like, "You know, just fucking do your job." And uh, so, you know, David Oyelowo like figures out this plot like that's going on and that they that there's they're gonna sell the company and that he's gonna lose his job apparently his wife's having an affair with somebody who turns out to be joel edgerton (laughs) and so david oyelowo orchestrates his own kidnap kidnapping in mexico and it's a lot less fun than it sounds (laughs) well like the trailer the trailer made it the movie seemed very manic um like i guess like he seemed very overwhelmed like once he's in mexico yes that's true uh only partially though there's uh you know i, I thought it was a little better than chelsea did chelsea thought it was boring so and maybe it is a good companion piece for hardcore henry um but uh charlotte copley plays um Joel Edgerton's brother, who is, like, a former special ops guy who who does charity work now um, overseas. And he gets a call from his brother when Oyelowo, uh, you know, delivers his ransom note, basically, to go get his character to save him the $5 million of ransom money that they would have to pay to get him back. Um, so it, it turns out along the way that... 
he's worth more dead because of the insurance the company took out on him than he is worth alive. So then Charles Copley is asked to kill him instead. So, you know, th- things get things get a little out of hand <laughs> towards the end of the picture. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, oof. I don't know. It, it's it's not as good as it sounds. Uh, the performances are are all decent across the board, but not great. Um, I was expecting to like it a lot more than I did, and it just didn't have the energy it needed for the plot that it has. I think. Um, okay. And uh, you know, I I, I I think I gave it a three out of five stars on Letterboxd when I rated yeah. it. So, I gave Hardcore Henry a one and a half. Yeah, well, that's worse than this one, then. But <laughs> twice as twice as bad. Yeah. So I mean, Gringo. You know, if you're a a Charlotte Copley completist, you may want to check it out. <laughs> Other otherwise, you know, uh, check it out if you're bored. I guess. Yeah. Skip Hardcore Henry though. Just just skip Charlotte Copley movies. Nah. <laughs> except Free for Fire, except for was, District uh, Nine and and uh, Free Fire, I thought was pretty good though. So I'm gonna have to rewatch that because that didn't really do anything for me when I watched it. Okay. I, I was in. In fact, that's it's so funny that we keep coming back to this again and again already. You know, only nine and a half minutes into this episode, but like I was a little bored by Free Fire. Okay. Which which you 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 may find hard to believe <laughs> because of all the gunplay in that movie, but I like I was a little bored by it. So yeah, it might be worth a second look. Yeah, maybe. Kelsey hasn't watched it yet. I, I do I do love me some Army Hammer. Yeah, he's yeah. awesome. He really is. I yeah. to be honest, I, I can't think of uh, I can't think of something I didn't like him in, even if I didn't like the movie. Like Lone Ranger, he's all right. Nocturnal Animals. He doesn't really have much to do in that movie. Which one? Nocturnal Animals. The the one with Jake Gyllenhaal and Amy Adams. Yeah. Who is he in that? Amy Adams' husband that she leaves Jake Gyllenhaal for. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah he's he's an art he's like an art guy and he wears a turtleneck. <laughs> you know um he he's got a very small part in a very interesting and energetic movie that came out this summer, and for anyone who hasn't seen it, they should definitely seek it out, called Sorry to Bother You. Oh, yeah, I want to watch it. I haven't uh, seen it yet. Oh, it's really good. It's one of my favorites of the year so far. So, yeah. um, the... week uh, went to visit you, didn't it? Uh, it, it might have. Um, we saw it... Oh, God. It might have been three weeks ago we saw it. Yeah. We well, saw it the week there. before... The weekend before Black Klansman came out, we saw those in back-to-back weekends. All right. Um, so, but the the less said about that one, the the better. Um, like, I do not want to do a, a review of that, like because the, you should you should just go watch the movie. It's uh, it's really good. Okay. So now we can turn our attention to Predator from 1987, directed by John McTiernan, and written by a couple of yahoos. Uh, named Jim and John Thomas, uh, who apparently did not have a studio deal and wrote this movie as a joke. Uh, you know, I, I, I read in multiple places that uh, the original idea for Predator, which was originally titled Hunter, um, 
was that like after Rocky Four, who the hell would Rocky fight after the Russian who was genetically engineered to be better than him? Was he would have to fight an alien? So the script began as sort of a joke of like Rocky versus an alien, and then it morphed into this actually pretty amazing movie that we have here. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know why I thought about it, but like the Rocky aspects, um, I don't know. I know you, you've never really been that big of a video gamer. Um, but in the eighties, there was a very popular game for the Nintendo, um, called Mike Tyson's punch out. Sure. I played t- uh, Tyson's punch out on the Nintendo. Yeah. What a lot of people don't know is that that game had a sequel where it featured like you going into space to box alien opponents as Mike Tyson. Um, no, not, well, you know, maybe it might've been Mike Tyson. I can't remember. <laughs> the only thing I really remember is that you go into space to fight, to box like aliens with like multiple arms and like multiple eyes. I really missed a lot when it comes to like the video game culture, which is why at this point, like I just can't get back into video games because like I was out of it for so long. I just like all these video games that you know about that are so like crazy. Well, this, this game is super obscure. <laughs> so, I mean, most people don't know that Mike Tyson's Punch Out had a sequel. So, yeah. whatever. Yeah. What, do, do you feel like, because I almost maybe, feel like. Maybe you're, um, Rocky. maybe you're Rocky and you're fighting these aliens. Maybe. I kind of feel like, you know, like in the 90s when you were growing up, like there were so many different consoles that like there's so many different games out there. You could never catch up with them all. Well, I think, um, well, that's true. I think when you're when you're youth, though, you don't have the ability to like absorb as much as you want. I think um, as you get older, the thing I found to be the case with video games is that you have you now have the money but you have less time to enjoy those. So you got to be a little bit pickier in how you spend your free time. And for me, you know, movies, movies and comics are the things that, that get them. Uh, so, you know, it's a give or take. I'll play a game occasionally, but a lot of times it's tough for me to like be abreast of everything that's coming out. If you're a video gamer, that's a lot easier, but that's your passion. So, Well, you play a lot of fighting games though, right? Yeah. I think one of the reasons I gravitated towards those is that the fighting games are short, you know, you can play a complete game in 99 seconds, right? So, <laughs> as opposed to, you know, some games that require you to, you know, invest a lot 90, more time. Yeah. Yeah. 90 minutes to complete one, one match. Yeah. Or, or two days to, two days to finish the adventure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you're playing straight through. Yeah. I mean, those have benefits to them too, but I mean, that's, that's not like the way I want to consume. So, yeah. Okay, uh, well, back to Predator. I, well, you know, it, it was my pick this week, and, you know, I, I apologize for getting this to you so late, but, like, I just totally, like, I don't know, things were crazy last week. So, you know, we're a couple, of, we're a couple ahead, um, so this episode is, is going to come out closer to when Shane Black's The Predator comes out in theaters, so we were going to do the Terminator because I just kind of felt like I wanted to do a science fiction movie. Um, okay. uh, but because it was going to come out closer to the Predator, we just decided to do Predator. Um, all these sequel names are, are, are killing me. Like, you know, can't, can't this just be Predator 3? Uh, well, I mean, who knows? Are they going to set it up as a continuation of the other films? Who cares? It's the third Predator movie. Just number them. <laughs> 
I mean, like all these Fast and the Furious movies, and like like the Ram the Rambo's are crazy. Like, but there's, a, but there's only four of them. <laughs> it's not that crazy. I know, but it's what is it? It's First Blood, and then it's Rambo First Blood Part Two, and then it's just Rambo Three, and then it's Rambo. No, no, is it John Rambo? Right? Is the no? They just call it Rambo. John Rambo, I think, is what they ran it under, but I don't think he got. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. So yeah. So like, how are you supposed to know, like, that the Fast and the Furious is the first one, but just Fast and Furious is the fourth one? Can we just number these fuckers? Especially because the <laughs> movies they kind of chronologically speaking, they're not in order either. Right. Anyway, all right, I'm in favor of just numbering your sequels, okay? Just start calling all the Marvel movies, like Marvel 22, Marvel 23. Who cares who the character is? No, that's a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so what is Predator about, Cesar? Uh, Predator uh, is about uh, a special uh, special forces team that gets dropped into Central America um, under orders of the government. And uh, for, I guess, to deal with cartels or whatever, it doesn't matter. But while they're there, they come across uh, corpses, and they find that there was something in the jungle that took care of their target and is also hunting them. Very easy. Yes, it, it is. The simplicity of it is, is nice. Um, I, I do like the uh, trumped-up government cover story you know to get dutch and his team in there you know the idea of like this at first it's a cabinet minister and they're just a little bit over the border and then it turns out that the you know the cia was trying to stop a russian incursion um but there's like this whole like the idea of like this distrust of the government the government just lies to you you can't trust them it's very it's very cynical yeah, that's certainly not new, especially like you know, with a movie that's from the late '80s. But. No, no, very, very much so. This also kind of has a very Vietnam-esque or post-Vietnam feeling to it. You know, it's sort of jungle set. Uh, you know, it's it's a it, essentially uh, the technology that these guys bring into it doesn't matter, uh, and ultimately, it's it's the uh, what what the Dylan character, the Carl Weathers character, calls Boy Scout stuff, um, is what ends up you know winning the day for Schwarzenegger. Um, you know, and throughout the movie, they sort of get stripped down. You know, first they they lose their government backup, they start running out of ammo, and they get stripped down less and less and less. And by the end of the movie, he's just got like a bow and arrow. <laughs> well, you know, I think that works in two ways, though, don't you think? Because you know. Americans come in and they're very confident, but the aliens got you know super advanced technology that she, that he uses to take them out. Um, but then eventually, it's uh, you know the opposite point because Dylan has to go down. Like that role is reversed initially. So, like the confidence that the predator once felt is no longer there anymore. Once they're brought face to face, yeah, yeah. He underestimated Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's for yeah. sure. He's like, he's like, who's this puny man? Yeah, I like that when he finally gets him at the end, like he he examines his skull, 
like for for quite a bit, you know, like there, it's a there's a good eight to ten second shot of him just like looking at his skull, and I imagine in the psychology of the predator that he's looking for differences because this guy, you know, has given him so much trouble that he's different from the rest of the humans. Like like Leo DiCaprio and Django. <laughs> <laughs> the predator's racist, everyone. <laughs> nope, takes everybody out with. Extreme prejudice. Yeah. The one thing I, that's always bothered me about Predator, the Predator films, is that like the Predator knows they're amazing hunters and they're good at all of this, but like, is it really like noble to shoot something while you're invisible from like a thousand feet away? Well, I don't know. Turn that around, though. Is is it noble to shoot a deer from like five hundred feet away with a sniper rifle? Maybe the Predator's got a good message in its heart. <laughs> the movie Maybe. the movie the predator <laughs> maybe i hope so <laughs> and and even though uh, even though we're being told that schwarzenegger's not in the new shane black movie like i really hope that he is yeah you know i hope danny glover's in it too <laughs> i hope they're just sitting in a bar like watching tv going yep i was there once they see the report it's like <laughs> you know, something it's like schwarzenegger would be like oh shit and danny glover would be like too old for this shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So obviously we've both seen predator quite a few times before this viewing. Uh, so did anything, anything in particular kind of strike you watching it this time? Uh, no, well, we probably not. Like, honestly, I rewatched the movie like, uh, last year sometime, probably around, probably in the fall. So maybe about a year at this point. Um, I got. I guess I got to say, like I've probably seen like this film maybe like twenty or twenty five times. I used to watch it a lot when I was younger, um, but I guess I would also fast forward to like a lot of action scenes back then too. So I probably only sat through it in its entirety about that many times. Yeah. Um, I don't know, the movie is pretty iconic, eighties, you know, machismo. I really, really enjoy it. You know, it's what a, it's, I don't want to say guilty pleasure because I legitimately love this movie. Um, yeah, it's, it's always a lot of fun to rewatch it. Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, I, I think it's sort of a deconstruction of like those eighties movies though, in a way, um, you know, the, the idea, like we just talked about, like that, that eventually like all the, all the muscles in the world and all the technology is is not what really you know wins for him at the end of the movie and throughout the film it, it is kind of shown over and over again that you know like the the raid on the gorilla village is like you know all the pomp and circumstance of like 80s action movies like there's explosions like every five seconds and i mean they tear that place to shreds um, you know, they shred trees and they're blowing up huts and, you know, stuntmen are flying everywhere. And, and it's like the epitome of like what eighties action movies were, you know, it could have been like a missing an action movie. Um, and then, you know, essentially by the end of the film, that's kind of like all stripped away and it's shown that that technology has, has sort of had no effect. And he, you know, he has to win with his ingenuity essentially, and, and John McTiernan, basically, who directed this film, would go on just like a year after this, right? And, and kind of like eschew the, 
the the big muscle bound eighties hero that he had in this movie, and then create a whole new dynamic for nineties action movies by doing Die Hard and creating a new smart ass everyman hero in John McClane. So I kind of I kind of feel like this was his like First like step. like the swan song of like those eighties like explosive movies. Well, you know, uh, McTiernan, you know, who'd also later do uh, Last Action Hero, which I think is really underrated. Yeah. Which kind of takes that even further. It's funny. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he specifically had a, a a negative view of where action was, like, in the 80s. And the, the idea that America was the big military, you know, most powerful country in the world. Um and the, you know, the idea that, not that, I mean, because he worked with Schwarzenegger again, but, like, the idea that you had to be, like, a giant, you know, physical specimen, you know, to be uh, a hero or to be an action star. Yeah. I mean, I mean these guys are huge, too, except for Shane. <laughs> well, the, the guy who plays uh, Poncho yeah. um, is, is not that big either. But, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I mean. presence, though. This movie starts off, you know, by Dutch's team coming via helicopter to, you know, to an army base in uh, in Mexico or Central America or wherever they are. And uh, and it's like a pissing contest immediately. Like, you know, he meets Dylan and you get that that iconic shot of the two of them locking arms and and, and getting into a literal arm wrestling contest right off the bat. You know. <laughs> It's training veins and muscles and sinew. Right. You know, and, and it's, you know, uh, and it, it's hilarious. Like, I find this movie to be really funny. Like, I, I, I think it's, I think it's darkly funny, you know, uh, in that way that it's sort of like, um, satirizing, you know, like the, the machismo of the eighties. I mean, I like, there's definitely moments, I think, you know, you can't, I can't look at the Predator, this film, as a horror film, um, because even though it has a lot of horror aspects to it, because I mean it's straight up an action film, but um, one you can't take seriously. I mean these guys are fighting for their lives, but then you're just like kind of blown away by how badass and and how entertaining and funny it can be. Oh yeah, well like uh, like I I love the uh, when Jesse Ventura gets like shot during the firefight and uh and the poncho character comes over and he's like he's like hey you're hit man you're bleeding i ain't got time to bleed like (laughs) 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 and and i like how mctiernan and the writers sort of like turn that thing around because like you could end that that scene that little you know that little part right there and it would have just been like a classic like 80s thing but what happens is Poncho has like the grenade launcher and he just shoots the grenade launcher like uh like up in the air like twice and he says you got time to duck so he he basically like you know the the strong-willed you know play through the pain you know quality of Jesse Ventura has to hurry up and hide under like the the side of the you know the hill <laughs> to make sure he doesn't get blown up <laughs> so like I, I like that little punctuation to that scene right there it's like I was watching, um, I don't know if you saw, but uh, maybe two weeks ago or so, I ended up watching um, uh, Running Man. So, like, 
Nice. So, like, I, I watched Running Man, you know, Jesse Ventura, of course, is in the film as well. And um, Oh, he's so great. Captain Freedom. <laughs> Captain Freedom to Wardrobe. Captain Freedom to Wardrobe. But, like, uh, wa- like watching uh, watching that movie, um, you just made me want to watch Predator. So I'm glad it turned around and, and ended up happening, like, organically for us. Yeah. I totally want a Jesse Ventura workout video. <laughs> it reminds me of, like, um, what's it? Uh, Captain Awesome from um, the King of Kong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good stuff. It is good stuff. Well, let's talk about this cast. Because, I mean, this is a, this is a pretty good ensemble of, of uh, actors together. You know, I mean, Shane Black was not really known as an actor, and, and even now still isn't known as an actor. Um, but, you know, he was cast because they wanted a writer on the set. And then... Uh, the guy who plays Poncho, and I, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Hang on. Uh, Richard Chavez. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, he's he's got a great, like, you know, I, he looks like he was, you know, a vet. Like, that he had gone through, you know, he had that very, you know, the, he's got that very th- kind of, like, chiseled face to him. Um, Sonny Lantham uh, as uh, Billy. Yep. is perfectly cast, you know, as their Native American tracker, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse Ventura, you know, former pro wrestler and sometimes actor. Uh, you got Bill Duke as Mac, who is amazing. I love Bill Duke. Uh, you know, Bill Duke's, a, you know, a director as well as an actor. And then you got Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed himself. How can you get better than that? <laughs> well... One of the things that uh, I guess I always think about when I think of Carl Weathers in this movie, um, you know, Arrested Development is one of my favorite, is probably my favorite television series of all time, yeah? I do know that. Um, There's a scene when they introduce Carl Weathers and they use Fox, um, you know, stock footage, and it's just the scene of Carl Weathers getting his arm cut off (laughs) and his arm falling and shooting, like, rounds as it's falling. (laughs) <laughs> and like it's a quick little three second cut and like oh you know you know Tobias recently met um, an acting teacher by the name of Carl Weathers and instead of showing Carl Weathers they show a scene from Predator <laughs> <laughs> I'm so disappointed that you've already spoiled that Carl Weathers dies <laughs> with uh, with his arm blown off by the Predator <laughs> He, he and Mac have the best deaths. If you want to talk about how these guys get killed, I literally, like, the Mac death is amazing. Like, where you, it's the first time you see, like, the, the, little, the little three laser beam sight from the Predator. Uh-huh. And, and he, as he sticks his head out from under the log, he gets blown apart, and McTiernan puts the camera behind the fake head and just blows, like, a gallon of blood onto the camera. And it's, it's, it literally, it's, it's gruesome and it's terrific and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And and then Carl Weathers right behind that gets his arm like, you know, severed from his body from like the, the laser blast of the predator. Yeah. But his arm's still perfectly like tense with muscles. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And then he gets impaled and lifted up off the ground. So he... He does. He probably gets the most, uh, you know, the most death of anyone. 
I don't know. Bit, you, mean, you don't you don't really see it on screen, but I guess like Billy, he gets skinned, yeah. So or uh, or decap decapitated. So who Billy? Well, like when you see pulls out his, um, yeah, but you see him hanging from a tree afterwards. So like his body's intact. So he's not like decapitated, right. but yeah, I'm sure his spine and his skull are out. <laughs> he's just a meat sack at that point. <laughs> Extra bones in there. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I like Billy's death because um, you know, I, I like the spiritualism a little bit to it. So yeah, which I think, which I think um, I'm of two minds. I think it's cool that they that they put it in there, but like you know, it has a little bit too much of that. Um, these days, it has a little bit too much of that ancient aliens feel. That like you know, every like every kind of like different culture believes that they're aliens or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. That's a weird. That's a weird. Uh, um, thing to see. I don't, I don't know that I truly buy into that, but you know, it, it's something that was in the back of my mind during, during his spiritualism elements when he's preparing himself to stay back. Yeah. I mean, um, Billy's, he's really sort of like, not the audience surrogate, but kind of like our barometer for like how tense we should be with what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, well, everyone's always got like, you know, it's hot in South America, I guess, Central America. So all of that, like sweat, everything's dripping off of them. It's not like, once upon a time in the West, but you feel it. Yeah. But like, you know, like when, when you get a sense that, you know, because Billy's the tracker that he has, like his senses are heightened over the other guys, you know, when he notices something in, in the trees, you, you know, like it, you get very tense because you know that he's onto something. And like later in the movie, when he confesses that he's scared that, and he doesn't think that any of them are going to get out of there alive. Like as an audience member, you're like, Oh shit. Like, Man, even Billy? Come on. It's like, you got Schwarzenegger on your side. <laughs> Didn't matter. Everyone got killed. <laughs> he was on your side, but yeah, you know, he's still on your shoulders. <laughs> you have any uh, favorite action moments from this? Action moments? Well, I mean, a lot of people really like the scene when, like, um, like it's like the whole team has that moment where they're unloading all of their guns into the forest. Um, yeah, that's a, that's another one of those great scenes where like it's it, it's all that like eighties macho firepower, but it, essentially like for nothing. It's all for nothing. Yeah. Well, I, you know, like I guess um, definitely the final fight between the Predator um, and Schwarzenegger is really good. Like everything from that moment when he sets the uh, the fire and he and he yells making that kind of like fish face is, yeah. uh, is uh, pretty great. You're, you're one ugly like, motherfucker. Yeah, you're just waiting there for like the entire showdown. When he's like... <laughs> <laughs> hey, rarely do we get to see Schwarzenegger get the shit kicked out of him in a movie, and you know, you've got that in spades this this time. What Are, are there other movies where he gets the shit kicked out of him? Oh, I mean, he gets beat up a little bit in in other movies as well. Like, I, I mean, like, there's that scene where he gets captured in True Lies and they beat the shit out of him. Yeah, but he's still cracking jokes. You never yeah, feel exactly. Like but like in this movie, like, like the Predator's literally like you know he's spitting blood up and stuff like that. You really don't see that you know in Schwarzenegger movies much. Yeah, I like, I, I, I like, like that. I love Commando. Like I love Commando, and like he's like the Terminator in that, but like just flesh and blood Terminator. Yeah, <laughs> nothing ever hurts him. Yeah, Commando might be the like the tipping point 
for like eighties action movies, like it never got any bigger than that. You know what I mean? Like, be totally honest, that's that's my favorite eighties Schwarzenegger movie. I know, I know. Yeah. We talked about that on your twenty fifth episode. Yes. Yeah. I can't remember what what position it held. But. It doesn't matter if it was on the list. It's big. <laughs> yeah. And how can you get bigger than Arnold? Arnold. I guess the Predator. And, and you know this. This is. Uh, this is the movie. This is the one that, that uh, we get uh, that famous catchphrase that has now been memed to death. Get to the chopper. <laughs> some people, well, some people really love that line. <laughs> uh, a lot of people, like I mean that that is like, other than I'll be Bach, like get to the chopper is like probably the most famous Arnold like '80s catchphrase. Yeah. I, I am kind of curious though how many people get that line. And have actually seen the film because I see people referencing it all the time. It's kind of like, um, like a Family Guy syndrome, where yeah. like the creators of Family Guy are of a certain age, closer to yours and my own age. Um, but like, there's a lot of younger viewers, and so the jokes on the show will make a lot of references towards things that um, probably occurred before a lot of their audience was even alive. So I'm always curious to see like how like what's like, what's the percentage of people that actually truly get the reference? Or if it's something I, I think, I, yeah, I think most people do. I mean, I, I think it, it's one of those things like, um, I, this is not a good example, but like, use the Force, Luke. I mean, you know that comes from Star Wars, even if you haven't seen Star Wars. Like, I think, I think people know that Get to the Chopper is Arnold Schwarzenegger from Predator, but it's just been, it's just been like, thrown everywhere, you know? Like happy faces on T-shirts, it's just everywhere. Maybe to throw another Schwarzenegger example, it's um, you know, I'll be back. You mentioned that catchphrase, but I always, I've always felt that Judgment Day has been a much more um, well watched film than the original Terminator. Right. Oh, I, a, I agree. I agree. The, I, I think the original Terminator. That's why I wanted to do that one for this episode. So we'll do it later. You know, we'll, we'll do it before the new Terminator movie comes out that they're shooting now. But, uh, like the original Terminator is, I like that better than T2, even though I love T2 as well. Well, they're, they're, um, they both, I I think both of them are terrific too, but like both of them, they're almost like different genre. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Dasani. Um, yeah, I mean the first one is is uh, is more of a monster movie than than the second one. The second one is is much more of a, like an action film. It's a hell of an action film, though. It it really is. There's there's some terrific stuff. You know, I've been trying to get Chelsea to watch Terminator Two. It's been sitting by the television with a couple other movies for months now, and every time I'm like, "Hey, we could watch T 2 she's like, "Nah." We'll see. You're gonna hear it now. <laughs> She's never seen it. We watched the first Terminator last year. I can't remember why or, or when, but... she like it? Yeah, yeah. Man, Terminator 2 is so good. I know, I know. Not my mother, Todd. Oh, <laughs> uh, Eddie Furlong, come on. All right, let's bring it back to Predator. We haven't really <laughs> talked about... Um, we haven't really talked about John McTiernan at all, uh, who... 
uh, you know, his career was, you know, cut short by getting thrown in prison. But, uh, I mean, John McTiernan, like, he had, like, a like a one, two, three punch uh, with Predator, Die Hard, and The Hunt for Red October that maybe is as good as any three movies anybody has ever directed in a row. Yeah, that's a strong, strong argument, yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, even Spielberg had 1941 in there somewhere. So. <laughs> when year was 1941? I think it was right after Raiders, wasn't it? Or right before Raiders? Yeah, it was right before Raiders, right? Um, I, you know, he, I've never it seen was, 1941. It was Jaws, Close Encounters, uh, and then um, 1941, and then Raiders. Yeah, but then you got Raiders and then um, E.T., right? What was after E.T.? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, whatever it was, odds are it's probably a pretty, pretty big one. I mean, hey, look, Spielberg had a run of movies, like, between Jaws and, let's say, Last Crusade. Um, you know, I mean, I, I mean, it's up there. It, it's, you know, it's some of the, some of the greatest pop culture filmmaking period ever in history. Um, you know, but all I'm saying is, McTiernan, he just churned them out for like six years. This guy was at the top of his game making three of the best action thrillers of all time. I think we need to give the guy some props. Good shit. It really is. Um, so, you know, to be honest, I, I knew that he was in prison, but I totally forgot why he was until you mentioned it just now. Do you want to give people a background on John? Uh, well, I, you be my guest. Oh, I don't like. I don't like. I remember he was in prison. I don't remember why he was there, though. Oh, yeah, well, to be honest, I don't know any of the details, but it was some like wiretapping thing that he was involved in. <laughs> it, it went to the Supreme Court, and they like they overturned something, and and as a result, he went to prison. Wiretapping. Yeah. Man, that's weird. <laughs> To be honest, I thought it was going to be something like taxes or something. Hey, yeah, I'm not going to bother to look it up, but hey, you guys can tweet at us and let us know why John McTiernan went to prison. How's that? We leave it up to you, dear listeners. Well, okay, looks like apparently he hired a private investigator to wiretap the producer of his film Rollerball. Um, and then there's a bunch of stuff. But yeah, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, wiretapping, wiretapping. It's a whole Watergate thing, Hollywood Watergate. Yeah, we need to investigate that guy. Yeah, but he, he makes some really smart choices here. And, and uh, you know, when I was watching it um, last night, this, this movie feels a lot like Jaws in its structure as far as how they dole out the little bits of what you see for the Predator throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, so like, I would say that like your thermal vision is kind of like those, those yellow barrels that Spielberg uses to let you know that the shark is around, you know, you know that the predator is there, but we don't actually see the predator because it's his point of view. Um, Well, you also see like shots of like people's feet, legs dangling below water, before below the water line. So you mean in Jaws? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things in Jaws that sort of ratchets up the tension, but I think that 
that uh, the same thing is true here. Um, I think, you know, like, uh, the, the thermal shots, I don't think we get our first thermal shot until, like, 30 minutes into the movie. I, I, th I think it's, it's right after they capture Anna, and they've, they've basically had the raid on the gorillas already. And it's right after that when you get your first thermal shot, and then you get that great scene with the scorpion on the back of Dylan, when you get the, anytime. Yeah. You know. Which, for a while, that image of the Predator's hand with the scorpion in it, that, that was like my Facebook photo for a, like the longest time. Yeah. Yeah. Because I fucking love that. Um. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's where, uh, you know, maybe that's where you get the, the famous jacket from Drive From. Yeah. But yeah, it was, yeah. Predator, it was a Predator reference all along. <laughs> it really was, yeah. <laughs> Ryan Gosling wants to be in the next Predator movie. It didn't happen. No, no. Instead, he's playing Neil Armstrong, though. I'm looking forward to that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I hope, I hope it turns out okay for Neil. Neil and his family are probably okay. Yeah. I wonder who I wonder who plays Stanley Kubrick in that movie. <laughs> if they're smart, they should make it Jermaine Clement. Yeah. He, he can do it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think they make some smart choices. I like the way that they sort of ratchet up the tension in the movie. Um, I, I didn't know this. I actually read this. Um, apparently, this was in the commentary track. I, di I didn't own the DVD, so I watched this on Amazon Prime. How did you watch it? Um, I watched it on Voodoo. Okay. Um, it was only three bucks. Well, there, like, I, I realized I didn't have a copy of it on DVD or Blu-ray either, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah, me too. I, I, I knew I had a copy of it. Um, I had the double-disc DVD special edition at one point, but I'm pretty sure that... Um, the one with the sleeve, yeah. Yeah, I, it, when, my, when my dogs were puppies, I'm pretty sure that they chewed it up. I, and I had a, a, like a dozen DVDs that kind of we had to chuck because they got chewed up, and that, yeah. I think that was one of them. Um, but uh, there's a brand-new 4K Blu-ray... Uh, of Predator, uh, to you know, obviously with Shane Black's movie coming out, they've got that out there. But uh, I could not find it in my area, and I didn't have time to order it and have it delivered uh, in order to watch it. So I just watched it on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Um, so I I did I could not listen to the commentary track or anything, but I, I read an article that had like you know uh, whatever it was. It was I. I Ranker or or somebody it was like twenty things we learned from John McTiernan's commentary track, and one of them was that um, he did not shoot the raid on the gorillas nest that that was all second unit, and he was very unhappy with the footage because uh, it's all static shots of explosions and stuff, and like they were able to cut it together to be you know thrilling enough where you know where it was passable. But he, he felt like the, the static camera work did not mesh with the rest of the film and, and with his style. And, I, you know, I, I didn't notice that watching the movie because, you know... Well, it's a lot of quick cuts. Yeah. It's like you know, them shooting a grenade into a building and then subsequent building just blowing up. Yeah, but it did make me think after reading that, and there, there are a lot of longer takes. Like, not so much so that you'd be like, wow, that was a great long take because of the camera went all here here and there and everywhere but i think he just kind of like he uses the camera a lot and there's a lot of um rack focuses 
to go from one person's eye line to another person's eye line so that you're getting information and you know as a viewer he's directing your eye by using depth of field and camera movement in a way that those like gorilla explosion scenes do not so like you know i i could totally you know understand you know why he's kind of unhappy with that but i don't think it hurts the movie at all yeah i mean when you're a director you you want you have a certain you know picture in your head so he also plus did gotta, not shoot. Plus you got to fill in a commentary track with interesting info, so I'm sure he probably didn't feel too bad about it. Yeah, like, it, really, there wasn't that much stuff in the commentary thing that I read that that was interesting. Yeah, you know, there was a bunch of stuff about how everybody got sick, and uh, there was this the one thing about a practical joke that Schwarzenegger played on Jesse Ventura. Um, they uh, apparently he he asked the wardrobe people to tell Jesse Ventura that his biceps were bigger than Schwarzenegger's. And so Jesse Ventura got like an inflated ego about it and told Schwarzenegger that they should measure their biceps and the winner would have to buy like a really expensive bottle of champagne or something like that. And so Schwarzenegger agreed and, and you know, of course Schwarzenegger's arms were bigger. Um, so it, like that was one of like the, you know, practical jokes that he played on Jesse Ventura. <laughs> He got a free bottle of champagne out of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But other than that, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, really, like, interesting stuff. I mean, I, it was a tough shoot, apparently. You know, everybody got sick, and, um, you know, the location, uh, you know, was a bit unforgiving because they were really out in the jungle. Uh, and apparently the production designer did not do any, like, research. And so, like, the time of the year that they were there, like, the trees were losing leaves, uh, so, uh, like, that became an issue where they had to, they had to basically, like, try to, like, put extra leaves up on the trees to make it look more lush. So, not a whole lot, though. But, uh, the, the thing that I was going to go to was, um, the very opening shot of the movie, because, you know, it doesn't open on Earth, it opens with a space shot, um, very much like John Carpenter's The Thing, where you get to see the Predator kind of, like, approach the planet. Um, and and I know I mentioned this when we were, we were talking about The Thing. Completely unnecessary. Like, there's yeah. no way this thing is not an alien. You know it's an alien. We don't need that shot. Just start the movie, you know, with Schwarzenegger and his team. You know, like, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, it doesn't ruin the movie or anything, obviously. I love the movie. <laughs> but it's just it's just such an unnecessary special effects shot that they spent Star money on Wars for Star no Wars reason. That can start in space. <laughs> <laughs> it's even worse with the thing, because you see the spaceship. Why do you need to see the flying saucer at the beginning before the credits? You see the spaceship in the, in the ice. Yeah. Completely unnecessary. Just Eat wasted money. Wasted money. Well, like, um, maybe you can refresh my memory. This is off track, yeah. But like, how long did they say that ship was in the ice? Oh, I, I, I don't remember. But, I mean, it, I, I'm pretty sure they were like, it's been there for millions of years. Okay, so that means that, like, the perspective shot of, like, that ship going into Earth is messed up because Pangea, because it was, like, the current... The continental current. like setup it yeah. wasn't like 
from those years and years, like millions of years ago, set up. That's true. Screwed up, John. Yep. Way to go, Carpy. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about a different John and a different monster movie. <laughs> so what else you got? Um, do you want to know what I think is the funniest part of the movie? <laughs> if you say Bill Duke arriving in a suit, I'm going to laugh my ass off. It's not. Because <laughs> <laughs> I love that bit. Um, well, my favorite, okay, it's at the very end of the movie. So once, the, once like, you know, the predator's being killed and they fly off, um, they cut to, like, a, a sequence of credits. Oh, yeah. Where, like, it's, but they're, like, not scenes from the movie where they introduce the characters, but it's, like, a sitcom. So, like, it's all I, them, like, looking into the camera and smiling. Yeah, so, like, when I was watching it, all I could think about was, like, like the theme song from like Perfect Strangers was playing in my head, and like each of them is you know turn around looks at the camera and says their and it has their name at the bottom. All I could think about was like like a sitcom intro. Yeah, I thought that was an odd choice too because like really so <laughs> the the end of this movie that last shot of Schwarzenegger. Um, the sorry, uh, I was getting a phone call. Uh, that last shot of Schwarzenegger in the helicopter, all covered in mud and ash, with that look on his face, is really haunting, actually. And if you end the movie there, like, it's so much better. Like, like I, I felt like it would have been masterful to end the movie with that shot. But instead, they go to that, that weird credit sequence. Um, but I guess they just wanted to leave audience members with, like, you know, like... You know, it's supposed to be a rousing action movie, so I guess they wanted to leave audience members with something a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit more feel good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like Sonny well, Lantham I... barely barely smiles at all. Yeah, I am smiling. You know what I like um, in that end scene after Schwarzenegger sort of defeats the Predator. Um, after the Predator puts the self-destruct sequence into his, like, little wrist computer, the laugh that the Predator has turns from the Predator's laugh into Billy's laugh from earlier in the movie. Do you notice that? Um, no. It, it turns into that echoing laugh that, that we get from Billy earlier in the film. I thought that was, like, a, a, a neat touch. Um, I like what do you that. Think that means? I don't know what it means. Think maybe I think he records everything, so I think I think that was his way of of trying to more clearly express like his joy <laughs> by, by like, using a human laugh. Do you think the predator's kind of a bitch? This <laughs> one anyway. Because, I do. Like, he loses, so like he ends up. Oh, let's just I'll blow up everything to try to to try to stop him. Whereas, like, in the second Predator film, you know, Glover, the, the Predators see him as maybe maybe an equal or a worthy fighter, so, like, they let him live. Yeah. This is what I wrote down. Self-destruct sequence? Predators are one cheating-ass species. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let up a nuclear bomb to kill, to kill this dude. <laughs> I imagine, though, like, for real, I imagine that, like... It's no different than, like, Cold War spies biting cyanide capsules, 
You know, that it's some sort of like protocol that they have because they're supposed to be there undetected. I have, so, a, I have a theory that like the predators, like they hunt stuff and like you said, they record stuff through your, via their headsets and stuff because it's actually like a TV show. Yeah. Anytime. So, so like the predator, so like, you know, the predators that you see and everything, they're all recording and sending it back to their home world and it's, it's entertainment, like gladiatorial. Um, but like this predator who is a little bitch. <laughs> He's like he's not on the regular show. He's like the YouTuber predator. I think it's funny because I, I think I think Shane Black agrees with us that this predator is a little bitch because like in the new Predator movie, he's got like alpha predators that are like super like like huge like a lot bigger like like forty percent bigger predators. Cast system of predators. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like you know you you got to expect though that like I kind of have the. Um, they kind of do that in the um, the Predators movie with Adrian Brody as well. You have the different levels of Predator. Yeah. But then, like, the regular, like, I guess the standard Predator um, ends up becoming, I guess, like, an anti-hero, like, during the course of that film. Yeah. Well, I think, um, much like we talked about in our Ghostbusters episode, like, there's a whole lore that's been created, you know, behind the Predator. You know, they've had a series of video games and comic books and stuff um obviously the alien versus predator movies do you know i've never seen either of the alien versus predator movies i've seen the first one it's pretty shitty it's yeah it looks like it is which is why i've kind of stayed away from it but i think i might end up watching both of them before the predator comes out okay just so that i can get my full fix of predator after watching um the first movie the the tagline for the first alien versus predator film is um, whoever wins, <laughs> we lose. And I was like, "Yeah, we all lost. <laughs> we lost when you decided to make this movie." Yeah, it's a piece of shit. <laughs> I hear the I hear Requiem. The second one is better, but I mean, it's got to be. Uh, so. I was gonna say I have not heard that, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people might think it's better, but ultimately, I've heard that they both pretty much suck. Well, I mean, in the end, you got to make your own opinion, yeah. True, true. Yeah. You guys, you know, tweeted us and let us know whether you like the Alien vs. Predator movies. Actually, I have a point of discussion for you. It might be putting you on the on the spot, though. Uh-oh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Now, there's a new Predator film that's coming out, like we mentioned, yeah? Yeah. Um, if you were, if you could do your own Predator film, what would be the plot? Mm, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think... This is a question I've thought about, so I have a ready answer. Having not thought about it at all up until this very moment, I think my initial gut reaction would be not to have any human characters at all and to put the Predator on a different alien world, not an alien from aliens, but just a different alien world, and create another creature for it to, to fight. It would be completely like dialogue-free. It would be kind of artsy. It'd be like, but with like tons of like people. you know John Wick style action, like. Uh, so like you want to see the predator doing like judo? <laughs> no, but you like you know like this movie, like you know lots lots of action, uh, very little dialogue, if if any, um, and I, I would just communicate everything visually, and you would just you just have to pick somebody to root for. Hmm. Well, you're gonna root for the predator, of course. Who, who are these no name? 
no-name monsters and I, aliens. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I, you know what I would do? Is I would you don't watch a Godzilla movie. I, I'd fucking have the like, Predator, like, go to Avatar. Baby, that's, not, that's not what happens. I'd have them go to Pandora and shoot blue people. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, anyways, what would you do for your Predator movie? Okay. Well, in Predator 2, I've been thinking about this plot for, like, years. But... I haven't watched Predator 2 for a while. I need to rewatch that. Predator 2 is pretty good. It's a bloodbath. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, in Predator 2, they established that the Predators have been coming to Earth for years and years and years and have been hunting humans, um, as evidenced by the, um, the pistol that's given to Danny Glover um, at the end of uh, the second film. Well, and um, it's also, in this movie, the story that Anna tells about how this only happens during the hottest years. Yeah. And how they they would sometimes find their men skinned alive, uh, you know. So, like, that you get a sense of that in this movie, too. But I, I apologize for interrupting. Go ahead. Oh, that's all right. Um, so, like, I've always thought that it'd be really cool if you did, like, a war film um, with the Predator, like, like set during, like, World War Two or something. So, like, like, I would, like, you could cut the trailer, like, like a very heroic kind of like a D-Day scene. Yeah, where you have um, Allied troops storming Normandy, and then um, coming across like a French, like uh, farmhouse in the countryside, as they're like looking to you know clear it out, you know, uh, they find that there's um, you know a giant Nazi flag or something there, and you realize oh this was like a Nazi forward command base or something, you know. Um, and then as they explore the house, they find Nazis skinned hanging from the top of the, uh, hanging from the, t- um, from the house. And then that's the start of your movie. Like a group, like a platoon of like American, like paratroopers having to fight a predator during World War Two. It sounds like you have given this quite a bit of thought. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe too much. Uh, no, you should, you should do that as like a comic book proposal, man. Fan fiction. <laughs> whoever, whoever, whoever has the rights to the Predator comic books, you should just like, like, you know, do like a proposal and a treatment. Just have it. Idea send it to them. And you're like, it's look, not- it's Predators in World War II killing Nazis. Like, what yeah, could be better? So stuff you could do. Like, it'd be awesome. Like, do that Wild West story. They have to team up with Captain America. It'll be awesome. Yeah. As long as you get Submariner in there. <laughs> oh, Neymar. But yeah, like. That's that's my idea. It's played in my head. All I, like I have it. is that beginning part, though. You can do what you will with it later on. It's free to the world now. All right, all right. There you go. Well, if uh, if it turns out that the next movie is about Nazi hunting predators, uh, I think you should get some royalties. Well, do, do you know, you know, I'd be happy with just someone listening to it, listening okay. to this episode. Awesome. <laughs> thanks, thanks, producers at Fox. <laughs> On, on that note, uh, you know, uh, please make sure that you guys, uh, you know, rate us and review us on iTunes and stuff. And uh, Are we at our hour already. Yeah, so. time's up, buddy. Man, this 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 episode flew by in a uh, like a, a breeze. It really did. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know what else. Um. You didn't mention that uh, you were thinking about watching Predator Two. I have a hankering for it myself now. There you go. That that can be our uh, the movie we talk about before our main episode next week. What are we doing next week? You told me, but I can't remember. 
Well, I told you, I said um, Buckaroo Banzai. Yes. But I was also thinking that we're getting close to Halloween. Um, so no. Maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> do a run of horror movies yeah. coming up. So. I'm okay with that. So I think maybe that's something we can table for, you know, off air. But uh, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm ready. I've been wanting to watch a lot of horror movies lately, so. As opposed to just in October, so. Cool. Uh, well, uh, for the view for the listeners, I almost said viewers at home, but this is uh-huh. radio. For the listeners at home, uh, let us know what your favorite part of Predator is, and what your story uh, for the next Predator movie should be, and maybe we'll give uh, maybe we'll give out a little prize for the best one. What do you think? Yeah. How about we definitely give out a prize for it? I think we'll give out a prize for the for the best uh, you know most creative Predator story. Uh, yeah. So we'll put a thread. Make sure you have good spelling and grammar, though. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll put a thread on our Facebook page, and we'll ask people to come up with uh, ideas for the next Predator movie, and we will we will give out a, a, a little prize pack. Maybe a little Predator Blu-ray. A little 4K Predator Blu-ray, maybe? Well, maybe, well you know, let's not spoil it. <laughs> maybe. We'll see. See what's up. Maybe get a little so, Predator prize pack, you know? Yeah. So in, anyway, in the meantime, uh, where can people find you on the internet, Mr. Cesar? Of course, at filmsmash.com, as well as a Twitter at Junior Beho. And you can find me on Twitter at Setting the Frame. So uh, make sure you watch Buckaroo Banzai so you can participate next week, and we will talk to you then. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. I'll be Bach. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Stick around. <laughs> Celluloid Jelly was recorded using Google Hangouts, mixed using Apple's GarageBand software, and hosted by Podbean. For any inquiries related to Celluloid Jelly, please email settingtheframe at gmail.com.